there was a lot of a lot of the news this week about uh, about surrogacy, wasn't there? So I thought we'd be good to talk about uh, talk to someone who'd actually been a surrogate mother. Rachel Kundi is uh, the executive officer of Surrogacy Australia, and she's also been a surrogate for two couples. In 2010, she was a surrogate for a heterosexual couple. Uh, in 2011, she did it again for a same-sex couple. G'day, Rachel. Oh, hang on. Where's she gone? Here we are. Sorry, my mistake. Hello, Rachel. Hi, James. Hi, sorry about that. Good. Um, Why did you decide in 2010 to be a surrogate? Um, It all actually started a few years before that when I was an egg donor. Um, Okay, why did you decide to be an egg donor? Um, I had read an article in the paper about um, a woman who had donated her eggs and um, at the time I was pregnant with my second daughter and I, I... I thought it was something that I just couldn't do and I applauded those who could. But once I'd had my daughter, um, I, it was playing on my mind. So I, I went on the internet and I started researching what was involved and how you went about finding someone to donate your eggs to. And I was directed to an online support forum called Aussie Egg Donors where um, it was filled with people who wanted to donate their eggs and people who needed egg donors. And okay. there, and there, they were, they could advertise for an egg donor, and you, you could sort of just—it was really the connection that you had with the people. Not they want someone with blue eyes, and I've got blue eyes. Yeah, it, right. It was more, wow, they sound lovely. I'd love to help them. So then, how did you go from that to the next stage of agreeing to actually carry the baby? Well, I guess because I became so involved in that forum, I actually started administrating mm. it, and I ran it for eight years. In the end, I really saw what happened to people when they had exhausted all other methods of creating a family. You know, they'd tried IVF themselves, they'd tried it with donor eggs or donor embryos, and they still were unsuccessful. I guess there's adoption, isn't there? Yeah, well, adoption is just so difficult in Australia. You know, the courts are very reluctant to take babies from their birth mothers, unfortunately. Um, And it it just doesn't occur that often in Australia anymore. Well, there's a lot of adoption from, from overseas, though, isn't there? Yeah, well, there is adoption from overseas, but if you're over 40, um, just about every country's closed their doors to you. Right, right. You know, certain religions don't, you know, if you're a certain religion, some countries won't allow you to adopt from their country. So there's there's a lot of criteria that you need to meet. You pretty much need to be a a 35-year-old Christian to be able to adopt from anywhere. Um, So, you know, that really wasn't an option for these people either. Um, So I just thought, well, I could carry a baby for them. So, oh, so And so you met them through the forums? Uh, yes, I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I met, met them, met them sort of on, well, met them via on, online sort of typing initially. Yeah, pretty uh, much, and emails yeah. and phone calls. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that was the sort of the process. And at the time it was illegal in Queensland, which is where I'm from, hmm. um, but I had heard that the government were looking to decriminalise altruistic surrogacy. Yeah. Uh, so I entered a submission to the committee and I actually spoke at the parliamentary committee hearing on the two days they were convened about how I felt that it should be legal to access altruistic surrogacy in Queensland. And from that, it was all positive reviews from the politicians that were involved and they were actually commenting on how the law would be two years retrospective, which meant that right. when the, the law passed, anyone who had done it two years prior to the law passing would be 
under the protection of the new legislation. Okay, now you mentioned altruistic uh, surrogacy. Yeah. I presume that means you weren't paid for it. That's right. So altruistic, you can't gain uh, financially or in any other way. But presumably they pay all the normal costs of that's your pregnancy. Correct. Yeah, so yeah. They, they cover... Um, wow, that's nice of yeah. you to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, my wife's been... I've had close experiences of pregnancy three times and yes. it's a pretty big thing. It yeah. stops you. But, I mean, were you working at the time? Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I, I was working nights um, when, I, when I was a surrogate. So, uh-huh. so were they allowed, were the other couple... When you say altruistic, were they allowed to compensate you for your time off work? Yes. So they compensate time off work, um, pregnancy expenses, which include like medical expenses. So so you said you'd been uh, pregnant before. Did you enjoy the time when you were first pregnant? Um, I was a teen pregnant woman. So um, it was all uh, very new to me. um, Complicated. Yeah. So I think I didn't really get to sit back and appreciate it the way that a lot of women do. Uh, And was that part of the reason you wanted to go through a pregnancy that was more, uh, well, well, one that you would have time to contemplate? Well, by the time I was a surrogate, it was I'd already been pregnant three times and had oh, two children. So um, it was more along the lines of um, it wasn't so much that I loved being pregnant because I do have high risk pregnancies. So it wasn't just uh, oh, I glow when I'm pregnant. So let's just do it again. But it was more that it was more the driving force for me was just helping those couples and knowing that I can do wow. a pregnancy. Like I, I gave some people a lift somewhere once, and I thought that made me nice, but that's. <laughs> That, that lift did not take nine months, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, it definitely takes a lot out of you, though. So, so, so when the baby was born, did you, well, up and, as you got closer to giving birth to the baby, were you nervous that you wouldn't want to be parted from the baby or, or, or not? Um, yeah, I mean, as much as you mentally prepare yourself going into it, you really don't know how you're going to react until you're in that moment where that baby's yeah. born and you can see it and, you know, you've been bonding with it for nine months. but. Mm. Um, so it was really just a take it as it comes type of thing. And, and I discussed that at length with the parents before we went into it. I said, can you just, can we not plan anything? Can we just see how I feel when the baby's born um, to, you know, whether the baby comes back to the room with me or where the baby can stay with them. Um, so it was very, a very relaxed and flexible sort of experience that we just took it as it came. And they were, they were you know, more than happy to do that because, they understood that my mm. emotional well-being was paramount in this situation. So. And, and so how long were you with the baby for before it uh, – sorry, boy or girl? Um, I had the, it was all boys. I had three boys as a surrogate. Okay. Yeah. That's one and, 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 then, and then twins. Twins, yeah. yeah. So, right. so the first time it was one boy, yeah? Yes. Okay. Right. And how long were you with him for before he went to – the other parents. Uh, well, he was born. He was born by cesarean section in the end, and um, uh, so the parents were very involved. And they all came back to my room. Uh, we had sort of the first couple of hours together, and then that night he was taken into the nursery so I could get some rest. So I was in hospital all up three days, and he was with me. Um, for some of that time, but during all that time that he was with me, one of his parents was there as well. Yeah. So um, it was it was very much I was I think I was left in his care alone for I think ten minutes for one day, but wow. I was more than okay with that. So. And, and and how old were your three children at the time? Um, the first time I did it, my daughter, my eldest daughter was eleven, uh-huh. and I think my youngest was two. 
so it was um, right. So yeah. So, so I mean, what did the two-year-old? What did the two-year-old reckon? No. What did the eleven-year-old think of it? <laughs> uh, when I mean, she's fifteen now, so yeah. she completely understands everything now. But at that time, it was actually a bit funny because uh, obviously at that age they kind of start to understand how babies yeah. are made. So she wasn't quite aware. She didn't fully understand the IVF procedure of how mm. you get pregnant. So it was like, what are you doing with this person? Yeah, <laughs> You're gotcha. having their baby. So it was a lot of explaining it to her level of understanding about what happened. And, um, and, and, and how did you feel when the time came to, you know, be parted from your baby? Uh, it was a little bit of a relief, I have to say. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's such an emotional journey and... And it is almost like you've got another family yeah. living in your headspace the whole time because they're texting every day. You're constantly thinking about them. You're um, emailing all the time. So it was kind of a relief to be at the end of that journey where mm. it was just our family again. Um, but, you, you know, we keep in contact. So, so it's, a, it's a continual... Um, so how, how often do you see them? Uh, well, the first couple we see a little bit less, but that's because we all live very busy lives and mm. they live a little bit further away. But we catch up once a year, but we're also on text at least every two weeks, emails. Mm. Uh, we get photos all the time and Facebook's a wonderful cool. <laughs> thing to keep in touch as well. And the, and the, and the couple, other couple you see more regularly, the twins? Yes, yes. I see them every couple of weeks with the twins. They only live two suburbs away, so Great. we're in contact all the time. And, and, and do you feel, you know comfortable about that is it kind of like you know seeing your niece and nephew almost or what's it yeah, like yeah it's it's it is a lot like a niece and yeah. nie nieces or nephews um you know and it's we've become such good friends with these people we weren't friends with them before we w went into this process but they're certainly people that we would have been friends with in our normal life had we not have carried a child for them which may, has made it a lot easier because we have that oh. that shared experience now that's made us stronger and, you know, we can see the continual joy that it brings to their lives and it's, it's completely rewarding. You know, they say altruistic surrogates do it for nothing, but we do do it for something. We do it for the experience of seeing, doing something good for someone else and seeing the impact you can make on mm. another couple's life. Mm. Yeah, I think you're the nicest person. I mean, <laughs> having said that, you know, that big disclaimer that you just made, but I still think you're the nicest person I've, I've, <laughs> I've, ever, uh, I've ever spoken to. Um, are you going to do it again? Uh, yeah, it, it, is, <laughs> it is on the plan. It is on the cards. We've been trying, but I haven't had success yet, unfortunately. But um, hopefully soon we'll have some success. And <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good on you. Yeah. And, and the kids all, do they think, Mum, you're a bit weird with all this? Or do they think, gosh, you're nice or what? Uh, my oldest daughter, she's been fantastic support. She understands yeah. um, everything, obviously, because she's 15 now. Um, and she's been just fantastic. She tells all her friends, parents about mum's been a surrogate. And yeah, yeah. We've got these half-siblings out there <laughs> that they see all the time. And wow. she loves loves visiting them and everything else. And the other two are understanding more as they get older. So yeah. it's really good to see, um, for them to see what we've done as well. So so just finally, let me ask you this, the idea of and uh, of surrogates being being paid. Now, is that is that illegal all through Australia? Yeah, it's yeah, illegal. And, and, and yeah. what do you think of that? Do you think do you think there's any argument at all for, for legalising that? I think there is argument for legalising it, but I think there's also argument for keeping it the way it is. I, I sort of sit on the fence on this debate because yeah. I have been an altruistic surrogate and there are altruistic surrogates out there. But I do see the incentive that there's so many more people who need surrogates and there are willing 
surrogates, you know, that that Mm. will do it for strangers because unless you have a friend or a family member that's willing to be a surrogate, you do need to ask a stranger, which is obviously a very big ask. Um, So if there was some sort of compensation for surrogates, there would be more women women willing to offer to do it. And and let me ask you, I mean, did you ever consider or even discuss with any of the um, surrogate parents what would happen if, if the baby was born with, with a substantial disability? Yeah, we, we all discussed that in counselling prior to entering into the mm. agreement. And what did you decide? Uh, we decided that we would just decide when, when, if it actually occurred. I mean, we all had ideas of... Um, my first couple were like, we will love any baby no matter what because God will give us what, we, what we're meant to have. Mm. Um, the next couple were more of a... We're really not sure how we could respond to that. Uh, we do have concerns about possibly bringing up a child with a large disability, but uh, we all agreed at the time that it, we would discuss it if it did arise because there is only a small chance that it would happen. Yeah, yeah. So well, it, well, let me. Fra- Francis has just texted in an interesting hypothetical question, mm-hmm. and it, it reads as this. What if the baby is going to be born with Down syndrome mm-hmm. and the parents wanted it to be aborted and the surrogate mother didn't. Okay. Well, that's something, if, if that did actually occur, uh, there would be extensive counselling yeah. and there would be mediation. Yeah. And um, I guess, you know, this does sort of refer to the case that's been in the media recently. Um, in that situation, it would be handled a lot better than it has been, I think, in Australia mm. um, because you do have a lot more options. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that I have never heard of happening yeah. in in a network of surrogates, but it it obviously can happen because not everybody always agrees on it. Mm. But, so, uh, but you're right; it's a very hard question to answer in the hypothetical. That's right. Yeah. People don't know what they're going to feel often until they, until that's happens. correct. Look, yeah. thank you so much, Rachel, for no joining problem, us and James. speaking so openly about it. It's very nice to okay. talk to you. Thank you. That's uh, Rachel Kundi, who's uh, the Executive Officer of Surrogacy Australia and has been a surrogate mother uh, uh, twice, three kids of her own, and thinking of doing it again. You're on ABC Local Radio.